This is where normal comes to die. Mediocrity meets its final demise, and the status quo is unabashedly dismantled. Welcome to Reinvention Radio. Now, here's your host, Steve Olsher. All righty. Welcome to another edition here of Reinvention Radio. Steve Olsher hanging out with Richie Ote. What's up, Richie Ote? What's going on, How Steve? Are you, my brother? White Wade, Elena down in the studio. Mary Goulet is off doing her volunteer work in the world and we love you for that and we love you for tuning in so welcome here to reinvention radio and i'm super excited for today's show uh you know sometimes uh things don't go exactly as planned and this is one of those times i actually thought we were going to have this gentleman in studio with us but uh a very close second to that is having him on the line because this is a very Interesting dude who I cannot wait to introduce you to and uh, cannot wait for you guys to meet and learn more about. Actually, wait, let's uh, let's just jump right into it. Steve Sims is joining us live from, I assume you're just outside of your uh, your mansion there in Beverly Hills, just outside of L.A., correct? <laughs> yeah, I'm up here in the hills, pal. <laughs> up there in the Hollywood Hills. Is that technically the, the Hollywood Hills? Is that what they, uh, or is that just uh, Beverly Hills? Uh, no, I'm actually on the other side. of. I'm in a place called Coldwater Canyon, which is up on Mulholland. Up on Mulholland, exactly. And so, obviously, you're from New Jersey. How long uh, How long have you lived in New Jersey before you moved to uh, Beverly Hills there? I actually came over in 2000 from Switzerland and moved over to uh, Palm Beach for my, uh, for my sins. Um, got out of there and uh, moved over to here in like 2006 or seven. Nice. So, you know, it's interesting. I mean, obviously, on the surface now... You know, people look at you and they go, damn, this this guy's got it all. But, you know, we like, we honestly, here on the show, we, we love the stories of reinvention and, of course, how people got from point A to point B in their lives. And, uh, and your life has certainly taken a number of interesting twists and turns. But uh, let's just say you didn't, uh, you didn't always grow up in, uh, in sort of that Beverly Hills lifestyle, no? Yeah, I think that's an understatement. I'm a, uh, I'm a bricklayer from East London, and to be honest with you, I haven't changed much more out of that. Mm-hmm. So let, let me just, I want to kind of set the stage here because it's, you know, when people look at, if you guys take a look at what Steve Sims is up to, you'll see that, I mean, geez, at this point of his career, he's hobnobbing with, uh, I mean, really the, the who's who, whether it's Richard Branson or Elon Musk or... You know, I mean, just you name it, this gentleman has them on his Rolodex, and that's something that I want to talk about uh, just in terms of uh, those relationships and the power of the relationships. And obviously, whole, and I'm sure that those relationships are near and, and dear and sacred to you and, and protecting those relationships really at all costs. Uh, but again, just, just so we're clear here, you know, rubbing elbows with billionaires and being obviously, I'm, I don't. We need to get, don't need to get into your personal financial position, but obviously, being able to afford the lifestyle that you have. I mean, this this is a far cry from, as you said, how you grew up. Uh, you know, as uh, literally a bricklayer. But take us back even a little bit earlier. How how tough were things for you as a kid growing up? I mean, were you were you fighting on the streets? Were you scrapping for meals? Like, just just give us a sense of even before the bricklayer days. How tough was childhood? Um, do you know, I, that's a very deep question, which I'll try and answer briefly for you. I, up until my mid-twenties, I thought I had an incredibly poor, hard upbringing. I lived just outside of London. My family were bricklayers. Um, 
constantly kind of like hustling for money. We never had any cash. Never, ever did we have a takeaway. We never went to restaurants. Occasionally, we'd go to a pub on a Sunday. We had no money. If we had a new car, we were lucky if that car was any newer than like 20 years old. Mm. So, and it was a period where you kept your word or you got a smack in the mouth. Mm -hmm. It was those kind of days. It wasn't until I was in my late 20s that I realized I was always protected by my family. I was always warm. While I wasn't eating at Spargo, I never wanted for food. I was always cared for, loved, and cherished. So that hard work of getting up at like 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning to do a job before you went to school, I suddenly realized in my late 20s just how wealthy I was and how I'd been given all the nuggets to be able to conquer anything I went after. Mm-hmm. So did you, let me ask you this, it's interesting, we just had this conversation with, uh, with our kids uh, last night over dinner, it was, it was not an easy conversation, I've got two boys, one is 14, one is 11, um, it, it was not an easy conversation for two reasons, number one, we were talking about uh, the walkout that the kids did, and my older son participated in the, uh, in the walkout to protest, you know, the gun laws and so on, um, and uh, my younger son, who's in uh, fifth grade, they had an incident where someone was, uh, an older gentleman was uh, too close to the school and making conversations with kids and that sort of thing, like through the fence and whatnot. And of course, you know, that brings up the whole conversation around just child protection and, and so on. So we had, we had a fairly difficult conversation around gun laws, around pedophiles, around just being aware and so on and so forth. And the fact that, you know, there are plenty of kids who go to bed at night who don't know what's going to happen to them while they're sleeping, you know? And so while you didn't have, mm, shall we say, the luxuries of life, it sounds like the most important parts of life were in place for you in terms of knowing that you could go to sleep feeling protected. And and so you didn't have any of those types of concerns. Dad wasn't a drunk. He wasn't coming home and beating you in the middle of the night sort of thing. No, and, and, and that's the point. As a, as a kid, you're supposed to be... As a kid, you're supposed to be ignorant to that stuff can even exist. Yeah. Sadly, now, we're all having our kids look at the news and seeing this hor- these horrific times and having to have those conversations. While I thought I had a tough life living on the streets of London, it's nothing to what, sadly, is being perpetuated and exposed on a daily basis now to the young we have. Yeah. And just just so we're clear here, I mean, when you say living on the streets, it's a, it's a relative term. Obviously, you could go and hang out and be the hood or whatever, you know, or with the friends. But at the same token, you know, you came home from the bowl of porridge or whatever it is at night and went to sleep uh, under a roof, yeah? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And the guys you were hanging, you got into trouble with someone in East London, and it was a punch-up. And that happened quite a lot. You got in, you learned to use your fists. Yeah. Um, But nowadays, you don't know if someone's got a club, a knife, or worse. And so it's a very, very different time now, sadly. Yeah. And, and, you know, look, you you are never one who is want for opinion or short on your position on things. Give us, and for those of you who don't know Steve Sims, we just got to just picture, uh, you know, a burly six foot two, 230 pound bald guy goatee, you know, nice as can be, but, you know, you walk down Steve on the street, street, you're thinking, uh, okay, maybe I should just, you know, I'll just move over in this lane because we're going to give him (laughs) as much room as as he needs. So, I mean, let let me ask you this. Obviously, you come from a a really unique perspective of having that 
childhood of uh, not having everything, having love, being protected, and so on. But, I mean, you didn't come from a place of, of luxury by any standpoint. And now you live in Beverly Hills and you roll with the Elon Musks of the world and so on. So, I mean, you really experienced all ends of, you know, the spectrum here you're not one who's ever short on your opinions. What What do you think? And I know this is going to go off topic here, and I know there's a lot of different things to talk about with you, but I figure every, anybody else can talk to you about the bullshit around, oh, you know, tell me about Elon Musk, tell me about Richard Branson. Honestly, dude, I don't give a fuck. I mean, like, I love that, and we'll talk about that, but I really want to hear the real Steve Sims and from the standpoint of you see what's going on right now. You see what's going on in Parkland. You see what's going on, like you said, the kids are exposed to all this. Where do we go? Where do we go wrong? What do we need to do, in your opinion? I think, God, everyone's got an opinion, and everyone needs to voice their opinion. Yeah, we so need what's yours? to voice their opinion so we can find a bloody solution. The sad thing is, when I was growing up, I didn't have the jealousy of, of these insta perfect world that everyone shows on a, on um, social platforms. Yeah. I couldn't get bothered if someone didn't like the bloody picture of my sneakers that day. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, the kids are 90% of the day connected to a phone, which is quite simply nothing more than a platform for everyone to show off what they have, or even if they haven't got it, they're perceiving that they've got. Mm -hmm. It's a tough world to actually get through to the grassroots of connecting with people. You can't rely on people anymore. You can't trust people anymore. Because the pictures and the persona and the perception are all prefabricated. And that's why I believe we need to get back to what the raw element of a relationship is and building up a relationship and the fine art that's being lost of communication. Yeah. Now, point, points well taken. And obviously, your business is built on the power of relationships, the power of your network. And so... Uh, I, of course, we'll touch on this and, and want to touch on this, but let, let's address that that question then from your standpoint. I mean, in terms of the power of social media, the power of it to connect people, but also the power of it to really create, um, let, let's just call it, a, call it to separate people, right? Because it's the haves, the have-nots, it's the jealousy, it's all the things that go hand-in-hand hand with the perception of living a, a life. And and frankly, you know, your business is kind of built around that in terms of helping people to create those memories and those experiences that other people look at and they go, holy fuck, like, Jesus, I would love to do that, right? So it, you're, you're in some ways, let's be honest, I mean, in some ways, your business kind of perpetuates a lot of that, no? Uh, I'm going to say no, because you don't actually see a lot of my clients doing anything, because nine times out of ten... They don't care about the photographs. I deal with the top 1% of the planet that nine times out of ten don't want to be showing off what they're getting up to. They just want to experience something that they haven't been able to or they thought was out of their depth. You know, you've seen me kicking around. and You haven't seen the clients that I had with me that I was taking to dinner or getting to meet these people because the clients are outside of the picture and don't boast about it. So I will defend that, that I'm not there to perpetuate it because I don't expose my clients into mm -hmm. what's going on. Mm -hmm. and, and you are very protective, of course, of, of your clients for sure. And, you know, reality is you create amazing experiences. I mean, you're kind of, uh, let's just call it sort of the concierge for the elite. I mean, basically, no matter what someone wants, I mean, within reason, 
I think at one point somebody asked you somebody asked you to get uh, you know uh, the the button to to detonate a nuclear warhead or something like that. I mean, and you were you're like, yeah, that's that's not a that's not I'm not running down that path. Uh, but for those who have reasonable requests, like, you know, uh, thank you, like having a, uh, you know, a Russian uh, fighter jet, you know, being able to run, uh, you know, run some laps around, uh, you know, Indy or being able to have Andrea Bocelli, you know, sing to you at the foot of, uh, you know, David's, uh, you know, Michelangelo's David and those sort of things. You're able to create those experiences for people. So, I mean, it's pretty amazing what you're able to do in so far as making these things happen. And ultimately, at the end of the day here, I think, does, it, does your business model teach us that really nothing is impossible if we really want to make something happen? Oh, absolutely. The old saying about it's only impossible until someone does it couldn't be any more accurate than in my world. Um, my job's to go out there and not even recognize that it's hard to do. You know, I've, I've been in situations like, you know, back of the Vatican or in a museum I've taken over for a dinner party that night or in, in you know, SpaceX or something. I've been stood in these locations and gone, wow, how can I be here? But it's never been what's entered into my mind while I've been arranging it happen. So the second you look at something and you go, I want to do that, but it's impossible, you've just set yourself back 20 paces. So I've never recognized it's unachievable. Mm-hmm. Wade, you want to do, uh, you had something you want to jump in on there? Yeah, well, I just wanted to ask uh, Steve a question. Um, have you ever run across the book, We Also, or it's a short story actually, We Also Walk Dogs by Robert Heinlein? I have not. So I just quickly changed over phone. I have not actually. No, I haven't come across that book. Okay, so it's We Also Walk Dogs. It's a short story, but he describes your business model. It's just set in the future. <laughs> Fundamentally, I'll do whatever you need legally for 15%. You know, I'll get you whatever you want legally for 15% of value. And so you might take a look at that. It, it, it amazed me when I read that, you know, years back. And I'm even more amazed to watch you live this story. Yeah, Richie. Yeah, uh, I, I get people. I get people call me with just dreams and ambitions, and I saw this movie. Hey, is that possible? I could do that, or I, I thought it'd be an idea to sit front row here. Can that be possible? And I just go and make it happen. Yeah, the, uh, that's awesome, Steve. This is Richard. I had a quick question for you. Um, in a world, I work in the e-commerce world, and right now there's so many things that are just a commodity-based sale, and everyone's racing to be the cheapest and the fastest. And we all know that's a losing battle to Amazon and Walmart, but probably Amazon. Walmart's even going to lose that battle. But um, you're the exact opposite extreme. You're the the ultimate dream. You can't price shop you, right? Like So to Wade's yeah. story right there, how does that business model even work? Is it something like a 15% on top? Or how do you even structure something like that? Like it, it is basically, you, you, and what you've got to equate is how long it took me to actually build up that relationship. You know, when you get, there's the old story about the plumber that comes in and uh, uh, click, um, blocks up a leak by, click, uh, by clicking a hammer on a pipe. And the guy said, oh, you've only been here for three minutes for 500 bucks. And he said, no, no, no. He said, you know, my $500, one, $1 is it for the time that I was here, but 499 was for knowing where to hit the pipe. Um, with me... I can make a phone call to someone to make something happen, 
but you're going to be paying me for the 20 years that it built up that credibility and that power for that person to answer the phone and take me seriously. And so that's what you've got to equate every time you actually price something out. No, and I love it. Part of why I'm asking is I'm like you without the paycheck. Like I love hooking people up. I have tons of connections. I've never asked for a favor card, so I'm a little bit enamored here. Like, hey, there might be there might be something I could work with. You know, I have yeah. some of the best seats in the Padres. You know, like all I mean, I'm joking with some. It's not to that level. I'm not sitting with Richard Branson and stuff. But but people are people, and I've been around this world long enough to know that even the people at the top want to connect with people. And some of them are the most lonely sometimes, but they, they have the money to rent that happiness for a little while. And it sounds like you help them not just rent it, but maybe I'm reading between the lines, get more out of just that experience and take it into real life after. Is there some sort of coaching or something that happens too? Or is this just a, uh, let me show you a good time and get you whatever you want? No, I actually, I do both. Um, we do consulting through Steve D. Sims and we also get the, uh, the fun happening through Bluefish. You made a statement there about you're not hanging out with uh, Richard Branson. The follow-up to that or the add-on to that sentence should be yet. yet. <laughs> you know, I never knew. I never knew I would have spent last summer with Andrea Bocelli, you know, but it was one of those things that we were looking at doing something for a client. It was in Italy. We needed some music. What's the best music in Italy? The iconic artist of Andrea Bocelli. It was just one of those things that just ended up happening. And I remember sitting there, jokingly doing a serenade with Andrea, just going, holy crap, how am I here doing this? Mm. Um, so you just, you've really just got to keep pushing until you can't push it any further. Yeah. And, and so I, I just want to give, uh, I want to give folks uh, a general understanding. And again, obviously out of, well, I know how, how much you protect the relationships you have, both with the clients and then of course with the, people that you're able to pair them with or the experiences that you're able to pair them with. But can you give us a kind of a, just a broad understanding of an example? So if I came to you and I said, like, for instance, Lenny Kravitz, like that's my guy, right? Like I've got Let Love okay. Rule tattooed on my forearm. I've seen him perform, you know, six, eight times over the years. You know, like that's, that's my guy. So if I wanted to do, uh, and he doesn't even do front row stuff anymore because most of his stuff is mosh pit in the front, which is great, and I'll work my way up to the front. That's not an issue. So let's just say I want to go backstage. I want to hang out. I want to have dinner. I want to just stalk the guy but actually do it in person and have that sort of experience with him. Give us uh, an understanding of what mm, it takes to create an experience like that. And then the other thing that kind of comes to mind for me is you know, unlike other business models, I would think that your cost of goods is ridiculously high, you know, because someone's going to charge, you know, I mean, I don't know, a million bucks to have Bocelli sing at the, you know, at the feet of, you know, of Michelangelo. I mean, like that sort of thing. And you're probably spending 950K to make that happen. So you're pocketing 50K on it. But just give us an understanding of what it would take to create an experience and then uh, cost of goods or that sort of thing, just so we can have a better understanding of the business model itself. Absolutely. So the first thing you do is there's an old analogy that you can't get up on the roof without climbing a ladder. I work off of my relationships. Every time I've established a good relationship, I will utilize that relationship to open up another door. So I do not know Lenny Kravitz, but I know a ton of people that Lenny would find either peers of his or in his same sandpit. I would reach out to those people and I would say, hey, reach out to Lenny. 
tell him I'm real and tell him to expect my call. So by the time you've got there, you've been introduced from a credible source. Mm. Now, this could be your best mate on Facebook that's friends with someone else on Facebook, but lean on the credibility of other people only once your relationship is strong with them in order to get in front of them on a level playing field. If you try stalking Lenny, he's going to shut you down and you may get a cease and desist. Mm -hmm. But once you're in front of him, and here's the key, never ask a question that can be answered with a no. Don't, don't contact him and go, hey, I've got this guy that wants to play with you. Can we do it? I've got this guy that wants to sit front stage with you. Can this be done? Don't ever ask any of those questions. The question needs to be, I've got a client. You know who I am because so-and-so introduced me. What needs to happen for this to happen? Mm. What experience can we put together that's never been created before that's going to work for you, be a win for you, and he's going to wake my client up at 2 o'clock in the morning with a, holy fuck, couldn't believe I did that moment. Mm -hmm. you know, what's got to happen? So get the conversation going as to what the ingredients and the nuggets need to look like. Going up front stage, going backstage, many, many people want to go backstage. And I'm warning anyone out there, don't bloody do it. Mm. Because the artist is about to go on stage in front of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people. They're getting in their zone. They do not have time to be doing a selfie with you and engaging in a conversation because they're focused on performing on an event that's going to pocket $10 million total to the venue and everything else. They don't have time for you. It's the worst time to see an artist. So arrange a guitar lesson with Lenny. Arrange playing golf. Arrange going offshore fishing in Miami. Something that he likes to do that would benefit him and then... See also if you could tie in a win-win. Is he releasing a new album that you could help promote? Is he involved in a charity that you could help donate to? Is he got a cause that's near and dear to his heart that you could adopt and benefit for him? So find a win for him that's going to encourage him to want to be with you. Now, all of that takes a lot of time. It takes a talent that a lot of people are losing on an hourly basis now called transparent communication. And once you've got their attention and their dedication, then you can flip it and go, great, let's make this happen. And that's when you get the client involved and you go, look, we can do this. You need to be budgeting around 150, 250, 300. I've done things like um, piano lessons, singing lessons, duets. I've done drumming with Guns N' Roses. I've done guitaring with ZZ Top. I've done all of the things under the exercise and the example that I've just given you, mm -hmm. and those are the elements that you've got to follow to be able to make it win-win for both parties. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate you laying that out because, uh, and and that holds true for anything. I mean, people want to be on Reinvention Radio. You know, people want to be on our on our new podcast, right? I mean, that's like they people want to be on this show. I mean, that's a perfect example of. How do you set this up so that the answer can't be just simply yes or no? And there's, there's a lot to learn from that. So thanks for sharing that example. So in terms of the range, uh, give us an, an understanding of what, what's the least expensive outing that someone has ever been able to, to get done versus the, the, the most expensive. Well, the cheapest thing I ever did, funny enough, was I recreated the first time a client of mine had ever met his at-the-time girlfriend. They were celebrating their 20th wedding anniversary. Mm. We recreated the first picnic that they ever had in a park. 
and the most expensive element of this recreation of the picnic was trying to find a bloody working boombox and being able to record his music on it, because let's be honest, you can't plug anything into those old bloody boomboxes anymore. Right. Um, so we had to find a, a, a pristine museum-quality one of those and have an audio tech actually put the music on. That ended up working out to be about 1800 bucks. Wow. Um, most expensive thing I've done, oh, that's in the four $5 million, and, and even, you know, up on that. You know, if you want to go into space, space is now offering a... Uh, tethered moonwalk. You know, you can go up into the International Space Station. Used to be about 35 million. Now it's about 60 million. But if you pay a 15 million upgrade, they will actually tether you and enable you to do a spacewalk outside of the International <laughs> Space Station. Oh man, that's, that's a super great. size right there. Right. Yeah, exactly. You yeah, yeah. They don't do there. they don't do 36 monthly payments on that either. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and so uh, again, here give us an understanding. So I, I mean, look, it sounds like something that is possible to happen. Obviously, it has happened for others. There are probably a couple of different ways to make that happen. But for Steve Sims to make that happen for someone. Do they pay you a percentage of that? Do they pay you a flat fee? I mean, obviously, something supporting the lifestyle. But you got thirty six Ducatis now, and uh, I mean, it's like you're an avid motorcycle <laughs> rider, and uh, you know, you got you got your games, your toys, your lifestyle, the whole nine. Uh, how, how do you get paid on all this? I will charge if it's if it's something I can do quickly by a quick phone call. Then I'm anywhere between ten to eighteen percent. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if it's a quick phone call, bang, done. Yeah, I did it, and it's all covered in the morning. I'm at that. If it's going to take me time, I had a client that wanted to get married in the Vatican and blessed by the Pope. That took me six months to get the permission to do that, wow. of which I was flying over to Rome a hell of a lot and spending a lot of time over there. So you've got to equate to your time and the amount of money. So at that point in time, it doesn't become a, okay, what is the percentage of this amount? You may find that the actual money that you're getting from the, uh, the vendor, the partner, the celebrity, the venue... They they only may be charging you 10% of what you're charging the client now because you've had to put so much work behind it in order for it to come off. So there's a lot of time management that you have to value in that that pricing. Speaking of how much of that money do you take up front because there could be so much work ahead of time, like that in the case of the six months for the Vatican. Vatican. I'm always up front. Someone, for a start, um, my website that we we haven't even mentioned, my website... um, doesn't even have a way of contacting us. It's a membership only. It's five grand, and for that, you get our phone number. The second you turn around and go, hey, I want to do this with Lenny, I want to do this with Gene Simmons, I want to do this with the Pope, at that moment in time, based on our experience, we're going to turn around and go, okay, wire me 25 grand, I'll start on it. Mm -hmm. If it takes me time, I'm going to be eating that 25 grand based on my hourly rate. But if we get to a position where we get a price that you're comfortable with, that 25 grand will go towards the actual experience. So there will always be a down payment. And some of the stuff we've done, because it's big and fruitful, we've asked for retainers up to half a million dollars. Nice. What's, what's the hourly rate? Uh, again, depending on where I've got to be. If I'm going to be in Rome, then it's, you know, it's going to be like 1000 bucks an hour. If I'm going to be here, it's going to be 500 bucks an hour. Yeah. It's yeah, awesome. no, it is. It's uh, and look, you know, reality is as I sit here and explore this conversation with you, and, and of course, we'll give you you know lots of uh, opportunities to share how folks can find out more information. I know you've got your book, and of course, the <laughs> site. We'll, we'll we'll get to that. No, don't you worry, my friend. We will get to that. 
Um, but I, but I have to admit, you know, that there there is a part of me that feels like and look, and I don't know if you were listening uh, to the first segment here or now where we do the sound off, and I was talking a little about the surgery uh, that that I had, and uh, you know, re- going into the surgery, uh, I will tell you that part of me felt guilty, and and part of that guilt was around being able to afford the astronomical price of health care and knowing what this procedure and the surgery that I went through would cost and knowing that there were people out there, probably lots of people out there who were suffering and are suffering from similar afflictions who will never be able to have the procedure done to cure them of what I had removed from my body simply because they cannot afford the astronomical price of health care. And so I, I will say that even going into that surgery, I felt some degree of guilt of being able to afford the, the, the health care, right, to, to get this done. And given the, the environment that we're in now and given this, this let's just say, this growing separation uh, between the the haves and the have nots is there ever uh, a moment in time where you sit there and you just kind of go i need to be doing something for those that can't afford my service is there any ever ev- does guilt ever sit in for you steve and uh, guilt's a negative emotion that i really don't have time for okay but every time if you if you go back and you replay my communication on how to get hold of Lenny Kravitz and all of the people that I talked about subsequent to that one of the key roles I told you about was to go through a cause that they hold near to them or through a foundation or a charity I tried to encompass a charity or a foundation in absolutely everything I did when I did Andrea Bocelli we made a donation to his um, cancer foundation when we work every year with Elton John, we make sure it benefits the Elton John AIDS Foundation. When we worked with Richard Branson, it goes to Virgin Unite. When we work with any of these major organizations and celebrities, and even locations, we try to incorporate as much as we can. You may have heard about the one where we put a client on stage with the rock band Journey, mm-hmm. because he wanted to meet Journey. We thought that was pretty lame. We actually got him on stage, and he sang four tunes live on stage with the entire rock band journey, pyrotechnics, smoke machines, the whole works. We did that because the drummer's son suffered um, with autism, so we wrapped the entire event around a promotion of bringing awareness and making a donation to Autism Speaks. Mm -hmm. And our clients feel they don't want to just go along. They're, They're aware now as well. They don't want to go along and drop a million bucks and have a great experience and come home and feel guilty about it because they're driving past, you know, poor neighborhoods or they're watching the news. They like the fact that a major proportion of that money actually was supporting a charity or a foundation. In fact, we've turned down partnerships because they've not had or not incorporated a foundation or a charity or a cause. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wait, go ahead. And uh, can you tell us a little bit about Blue Cause? So Blue Cause is my, my, is my thorn in my side. We started a company years ago called Blue Cause, and the downside with charities is that during the 80s and 90s, it's been used as a lot of scams for family trusts. Mm-hmm. So whenever you try to do anything 
in any kind of charitable position, the scrutiny and paperwork that you go through quite simply makes it cost prohibitive. It is amazing how expensive it is to run a charity. So we launched something called Blue Cause where we do an event for a charity and then the client actually pays the charity direct. So we take no money out of it whatsoever. And the second we remove ourselves from any fiduciary responsibility, cuts down on the paperwork. And America, actually it's not just America, but the paperwork involved in charities just makes it to the point where you go, why the hell am I trying to help someone? Because it's taking me so much time to get into the 501c3s and all these different areas. By cutting yourself out of actually taking the money, you eliminate that problem. So we do work with a lot of charities, and we put the money straight through to them, and that's under our company of Blue Calls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, I'm, look, I, I love who you are. I mean, we've had a chance to spend some time together. I mean, you're, you're absolutely mm-hmm. one of the most genuine, real, down-to-earth, and honestly, I mean, there's, there's a lot of folks out there who, uh, who, as you would say, you know, don't, don't exactly pass the chug test, right? And, uh, <laughs> and you, uh, you, you for sure pass that, man. I, I, you know, don't get me wrong on any of this. I just think that in, in this moment in time, it's one of those things that I think we need to address so that people can understand who you are as a man, as a person, and how you, I mean, you recognize what's going on out there, and you recognize that even though you are entitled to make the living that you make, and you're entitled to bring to fruition these fantasies, if you will, that people of means have, you at the same token recognize that there is this growing, uh, you know, we just, we, we can't ignore what's going on in terms of the 1% versus the rest of the world. And you recognize that. And I just want people to understand that, you know, your heart is in the right place. And yes, you create these amazing experiences for people, but at the same token, you are crystal clear on the realities of the world right now and are doing your part. I appreciate that. Thanks, pal. Yeah, I know we 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 broke bread, and I appreciate you for saying that. Thank you. Yeah, Wade, go ahead. Um, I'm curious uh, if you can comment on the value of authenticity w- living and working in this world of fantasy and make-believe in Hollywood. So, for start, I think authenticity is the latest mug word. Um, I think it's going to be on the next kind of mouse pad, just like 10X crushing it and all those kind of words. I hate the word authenticity. It's like me giving you credit for breathing. Um, The word I really like that people need to and they can focus on is transparency. Mm. I believe that there is a, uh, a lack of communication today because we've become desensitized by everyone not communicating accurately. You see people that you know are having a tough time financially, yet they'll be posting a picture on Instagram with them next to a Ferrari trying to make out it's theirs. Mm -hmm. We're seeing that kind of bullshit life. I walk into a conversation, I'm going to go, hey, this is Steve Sims. You know I want something, that's why I'm having a conversation with you, but I want to tell you why it's going to benefit you to keep me on this call or in this conversation for the next 30 seconds. If it isn't, then you can let me know. Let me tell you. And so I'm a great believer in being transparent as to what you want, what you can offer, who you are, and that's what makes people's stomachs sit still. I believe we're back in an era where you should trust your stomach more than your eyeballs. And, again, I don't know if this is a street thing. I don't know if it's a London thing. 
But in the old days, you'd walk past someone, something would stir in your gut if that person wasn't, should be trusted, and maybe you'd look behind a little bit to make sure the guy wasn't going to come and clobber you on the back of the head. Yeah. That was your stomach, not your head. Nowadays, far too many people are looking at your Instagram postings and going, oh, my God, you must be big and successful because I saw you were so-and-so, mm-hmm. or I saw this, or I heard about this, or you were next to this fancy car, and, and their head's doing all the work. Got to get yeah. back to being the stomach, and that transparency will put your stomach at ease with whoever you're dealing with. Yeah, I no, appreciate that for sure. All right, let me let me ask you to do this. So uh, just a couple minutes left here, and uh, I don't want us to run out of time. So, Steve, if people want more information about you, I mean, where where is the best place for them to go? And, and for those who are even potentially thinking about maybe engaging you and your company to help them create this ultimate experience, whatever that might be, uh, what should they do? All right. Well, for anyone that's an entrepreneur that wants to hear about how I do stuff, they can go to the website stevedsims.com. That's S-I-M-S, just one M, stevedsims.com. That's where I do all of my videos, my book, Blue Fishing, The Art of Making Things Happens on there. So that's where I get on my entrepreneur. And I'll put a rant on there about things that I like, things that excite me, things that have bothered me, and the way that I operate in my life. Mm-hmm. And the company that does all the luxury stuff and the fun stuff is thebluefish.com. That's where you're sitting front row at, at uh, Fashion Week or walking down the white carpet with Elton John at his Oscar party. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome, man. All right. Well, look, really, really appreciate uh, you joining us. And, and just one last question here. I mean, after having created some of the, the most amazing experiences for uh, people across the globe and after having, well, been able to shake hands and look in the eyes of some of the most successful people on the planet and having developed real relationships with them in the last 30 odd seconds here give give us a a tip or just a a lesson learned or something that we can apply to our lives that frankly you know you would not have access to this information had you not been swimming in these circles the bigger you get the more prone they are to this virus and disease called humiliation people are scared of being laughed at that's why most of the time i'm in business because they don't want to be rejected getting into something I find that it's not the fear of failing that actually stops people from trying nowadays. It's the fear of someone laughing at them. If you could actually say, hey, I don't care if someone laughs at me, I'm going to try it anyway, I think you'll get a lot further away. Yeah. All right. That is awesome. And uh, the name of your book, I want to give you a, uh, one last opportunity here. So let's plug, uh, let's plug your book, man, because it's a really great book. It's Blue Fishing, The Art of Making Things Happen. Nice. And, uh, of course, you can get that wherever books are sold. And, well, I, Richie, I mean, you know, it's uh, pretty amazing stuff. And, 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 look, we could talk about all those fun experiences and this and the other, but I want others, yeah, I wanted people to really see the other side of, of Steve as well. Any any last thoughts here before we uh, end it? No, I love it. I, I'm going to dig deeper with that. Yeah. I love the model, and I just love the idea, too. It's like the Disneyland model. You take them through the ride, and you walk them through the gift store. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. And, and he, I'm sure referrals. He probably gets a ton of them because it just begets, begets, begets. They had such an amazing time. Right. Why wouldn't you get them in touch with me? Yeah, for sure. All right, well, our big, big, big thanks to Steve Sims himself for joining us here on Reinvention Radio, and make sure that you check out everything that he's got going on. All right, my friends, we will talk to you next time. I'm Steve Olsher. Take care. 
You just got dismantled. Thanks for listening to Reinvention Radio. For more information about the show and your host, Steve Olsher, visit reinventionradio.com. You were born to do one amazing thing, but most people spend a lifetime trying to identify what it is. If you're in a job you don't like or are unemployed, if you're in a state of transition or just can't shake that nagging feeling that you were meant and made to do something extraordinary, then the Reinvention Workshop is exactly what you need. Led by award-winning self-help author Steve Olsher, the Reinvention Workshop will forever change your life. The Reinvention Workshop takes you step-by-step through Steve's proven formula that has helped so many people get on the right path and clear about what they were born to do. Take the first step to realizing the life you deserve and desire by visiting thereinventionworkshop.com today. No more delays. No more denial. Reconnect with your true self. Learn to live with purpose and conviction and become who you were born to be. The world is waiting for you. What are you waiting for? Log on to thereinventionworkshop.com today. That's the reinventionworkshop.com.